Modern Murders covers topics that may not be suitable for young children. Listener discretion is advised. Sources for our episodes can be found in the show notes. Photos relating to the episode can be found on our Twitter at Modern Murders. Join our Facebook discussion group and tell us what you think of the case. Welcome to Modern Murders, a true crime podcast about murders after the year 2000. I'm your host, Ariel, and today I have a special guest with me. I have Candace from Crime Noir. Candace, how are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm really good. Thank you for joining me. And just so that my listeners know, just tell me a little bit about your podcast and what you aim to do with your podcast. Um, My podcast, Crime Noir, is a true crime podcast that solely focuses on covering missing and murdered black women and men. I felt like our stories are untold and underrepresented, underrepresented in the media. And I wanted to use my platform to highlight those cases and my dog's growling. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I can't even hear him. So I think that your (laughs) So I think that your podcast is really important. Like you said, the Black community does not get a whole lot of attention with their cases. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on today because I came across this case where it's just really crazy the way everything went down. It's unsolved. And this was a person that had a life. They were working hard in their life and it was tragically cut short. And I feel like nobody's really talking about this case. So the case I want to get into today is about a man named Tajmir Hopkins. And we're going to go to Virginia, which is where you're from, right? Yes, I am from Virginia. Yeah, so this is, I didn't realize that until now. This is a perfect case for you to talk about because you live in Virginia and you might even know some of these locations or areas that I might be talking about. So let's get into it. On May 3rd, 2018, a 911 call was received from Lee Tucker, and he was claiming that there was a deceased body across the street from his house. He is an older gentleman. He lives in the neighborhood, and he was just walking around when he noticed this body. It was 22-year-old Tajmir Hopkins, and he was found tied, bloodied, shot, and left on display on the front porch of a house located on St. Matthew Street in Petersburg, Virginia. He was completely naked with his hands and feet tied with tape to a metal chair. The tape was described as one that was used for construction work or drywall work. So I looked up pictures of it. It's like a white cloth tape that's a little bit hard to uh, tear apart. It has like little uh, threads in it to make it stronger. And so immediately, this is a very uh, specific type of tape that you normally wouldn't find in any other household. And the craziest part of this case that I found was that Tajmir was left for dead on a front porch of a house that wasn't even his. He lived two miles away from where his body was found. So Candace, what do you think about just initial, since you don't know much about the case, just first thoughts about the crime scene? What do you think about the way his body was displayed? Brutal. And whoever this person or people were wanted to leave a message. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's what police thought too, because Lieutenant 
Emmanuel Chambliss, he said that, quote, it was one of the most brutal murders that I have ever seen, end quote. And based on where the body was found, detectives believe that Tajmir was beat somewhere else other than the porch, and he was later shot to death on the porch. The crime scene seemed to cover the entire neighborhood street, with evidence being collected even down the street. So they had the entire street blocked off and they had markers all along the street of possible evidence. So Tajmir had been living in Petersburg for a few months, but he lived in Virginia for the past seven years. He had a two-year-old son at the time of his death and his family said that he was loved by many. Hours before his death on May 2nd, he was at Virginia State University playing basketball with friends like he did every week. And leaving the basketball courts was the last time that anyone who cared for Tajmir would ever see him alive. Tajmir's mother, Cherie Harris, still pleads for someone to come forward with information to figure out who murdered her son so violently and to figure out why. When detectives showed Cherie a picture of the way Tajmir was found, she broke down to confirm his identity saying that about the way he looked, the way his body was posed, she felt like it was a hit by the cartel. And I just want to ask for your opinion, Candace. what do you think about a police officer showing a picture of his body the way it was? I mean, it was just his face, but still, to show that to a mother to identify her son, what do you think about that? I think it's kind of cruel. Yeah. I think, I think personally they could have fingerprinted him or there's other avenues to identify a body besides like facial recognition. And maybe they should have been a little bit sensitive to their, that, that mom personally, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I feel like if a picture of him was good enough to identify, why not just ask the mom for a picture of Tajmir and then just compare the photos. And if it seems like they're pretty close of a match, just have her come in to identify the body and not just take a picture of the way he was found. Because I feel like sometimes the way that the crime scene is, is way more brutal and hard to stomach than going to a morgue and seeing them on a table and cleaned up. I definitely, definitely agree. Yeah. So Tajmir was born on August 9th, 1995, to Cherie Harris and Jamar Hopkins in Plainfield, New Jersey. His nicknames by family and friends were Taj and Polo. And he was the oldest of four kids. All of his younger siblings were sisters, so I'm sure he had his hands full. <laughs> mm -hmm. After receiving his GED, he moved to Virginia with his mom in a pursuit to becoming a rapper, and he lived with his son named Nassar and his fiancée, Ashira. The house where his body was found is on Google Street View from 2013, and I sent it to you. I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at it, but it's really eerie because the house that he was found at the metal chair is in the Google Street View. Yeah, I am actually looking at it now, and it's very, very creepy. And Google Maps freaks me out anyway, so oof, it's just a, it's just a mess. And it's really sad that you know this situation hasn't been solved. Yeah, so detectives weren't able to find any leads. They couldn't figure out if Tajmir had any enemies because. Other than him being a rapper, he didn't have any beef with anyone. Like, he didn't have any enemies in the area. He had only been there for a couple months and in Virginia for um, seven years. So how do you make enemies within a few months? And the location in terms of the neighborhood of where his body was found was right off a major freeway. 
So it could have been that they took the first exit and then just turned into the neighborhood to um, dispose of his body or to kill him. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the Google Street View also, the house is at the end of the road and just beyond that house is a bunch of brush and debris and it seems like they weren't attempting to hide the body like you said it was meant to send a message Mm -hmm. and I'm just wondering what was that message and I think that's what his mother Cherie thinks too I wonder if it was a random act of violence because like if someone committed, if okay, I'm assuming the cops have done their due diligence and they checked phone records and et cetera and talked to various friends. We're hoping we're, they're doing good law enforcement and nothing turns up and he's two miles away from his house. Could it not have been a random act of violence? I mean, that is something we should consider. Yeah, and I think detectives were considering that because in the area, the crime is not the best. Um, in terms of it, there is a lot of crime in that area, mm-hmm. but this murder in particular seems very personal, like you said before, and it seems very unusual because usually with like, if detectives said, for example, if there was like a gang initiation where you had to go out and kill somebody, mm-hmm. you would just shoot them or you would do it quick and then get away. You wouldn't go to the extent of beating somebody up and then shooting them and tying them to a chair it just seems overkill for initiation sort of kill. Right. And so that's why his mom was saying, like, this seems like it's something like a cartel would do because it's such overkill. But was he known to sell any drugs? I mean, why would the cartel, if there's no history of drug selling or anything like that, then how could they formulate cartel? Is there something that we maybe not know in the public? Because that seems like a reach. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I I see where you're coming from. And the police won't release all of the information they have. They seem to be pretty tight-lipped about everything except for the way that his body was found. So I'm not really sure what evidence they do have, if they have any. But like I said, the crime scene lasted the entire street. So there's got to be like a lead up to where maybe the car stopped, he Mm -hmm. got out, and started running and maybe they chased after him and and caught up to him and that's when they shot him i have no idea so it is very interesting that police have not released a whole lot of information and i feel like sometimes i get frustrated because people like us like we want these crimes to be solved and we want to look at the evidence and come up with new theories and new ideas and what ifs if they're having a hard time with the case but at the same time if somebody comes forward they need something to corroborate the story with So they're kind of in a hard spot right now. I agree. I understand why they're tight-lipped, but sometimes I do feel like they could release one angle of evidence that might encourage somebody to come forward and leave a tip. Oh, yeah, I did see three people walking by, or I did see somebody in a baseball cat or cap, or I did see this, or I did hear a dog barking. I mean, you never know what they're holding on that could, if they release a tenth of it could encourage people to come on, come forward. Yeah. And I mean, it's only been two years. Maybe they'll let out a little bit more information. I know in some other cases after a certain anniversary, maybe five years, they'll let out a little bit more information just to get more traction in the media. So maybe they might do that where it's been two years since this murder took place. So uh, maybe it'll be a couple more years before they release 
any little that they have, if they have any. But um, back to your point, was he selling drugs? From what I was able to read, it didn't seem like he was selling drugs or that he even had time to sell drugs because he spent a lot of time with his family. And they pretty much said if he wasn't spending time with his son, he was spending time at the recording studio pursuing his rap career. So it doesn't seem like he really led that lifestyle to have a network of people to sell drugs to if he had only been in that community for a couple months. Exactly. So that's what I was getting at. It's like, okay, from all accounts, he was a student at Virginia State. He was engaged. He was raising. Well, I'm not sure. So I'm not sure if he was a student, but he played basketball there. Just to clarify. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That was like their meetup location, probably because the basketball courts were really nice and well-kept. There's no indication of him selling drugs or any nefarious activity. I'm just curious as to how the cartel got thrown in there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think the cartel got thrown in there just because his mom said that like, it was the way that he was displayed and the way that he was oh, killed okay. was very indicative of a cartel. I don't think the police were thinking that okay, they were just okay. saying that it could be a gang associated crime. Not that to um, assume that Tajmir was in a gang, but that it, like you said, it could have been a random crime, oh, okay. like a stranger murder where some teenagers or maybe some young adults were given an order to kill someone. And this was just a crime of opportunity. Or the wrong person, mistaken identity or something like that. It could have been something like that where the gang is potentially going after this person and this person looks like Taj and now they have a mess on their hands and somebody lost their innocent life. It's just really sickening. Yeah, and I mean, I don't blame the police for thinking it might be a gang-related angle just because of the amount of crime that happens in that neighborhood does tend to be gang-related, and it is a problem that they're trying to address. But I just don't like lumping all crimes into gang-related because then I feel like a lot of the media portrays it differently once you add that element in there. And so like, until I know for sure, I just don't even want to lump it in there but it is a very like strong possibility the odds you know are very great in terms of if it might have been related to a gang in some way or another but I don't think Tajmir did anything to make himself a target I think he was just wrong place wrong time and I'm not sure if his friends knew anything and they're just not saying anything to police or um that so like I was reading I was researching this article and it said that people heard gunshots the night before, like when Taj was killed, and nobody went out to check. They shut themselves in, and they just let it play out, and then in the morning, that's when they decided to look. Oh, I just can't imagine knowing that your child was like violently murdered like that and then put on display. My heart goes out to uh, his mother. It's just really sad to me. Definitely, and I, I just it breaks my heart to know that people heard gunshots but didn't even care to look outside he was literally right across the street from the person who found him the morning after who heard the gunshots had he just looked outside he probably could have seen a car but then again maybe he didn't want to interject himself into a possible crime and possibly be a witness and then the killers find out about that exactly yeah that's definitely a good thought because anybody that will tie you up shoot you and leave you uh tied to somebody's porch on a chair is definitely not scared of witness intimidation oh yeah definitely yeah Yeah, so um that's the case of Tajmir Hopkins and 
his family does work hard to make sure that his story stays in the media. And his dad has a uh, Twitter account called at Justice for Taj on Twitter. And he posts regularly and he's very active in the Black Lives Matter community and outreach for that as well. So if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out that Twitter account. And if you have any information, please call the Petersburg Dinwiddie Crime Solvers at 804-861-1212. You'll remain anonymous when you call this number, and if your tip helps, you could receive a cash reward up to $1,000. So please call that number if you have any information relating to Tajmir Hopkins' murder. So Candice, have you been following any of the, the recent news about Ghislaine Maxwell? I have. I'm not on pins and needles, but I'm very interested to see if she actually survives prison because Jeffrey did not. So I want to see if she quote unquote kills herself or something weird happens. Yeah, definitely. So I just started watching the documentary. I think it's called Filthy Rich and it's about Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine. And I had no idea, like I knew a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein's story and his quote, suicide. But I never really wanted to get into it because it is about like sex with underage girls. And so I just kind of took my time to finally get around to watching it. And I've watched a few episodes of it. And I have to take it in doses, obviously, because it is a very troubling topic to watch. But so far, I think it's an amazing documentary. And the way that Ghislaine Maxwell played a part in these girls getting to Jeffrey Epstein is just undeniably horrible. Definitely. It's just really disgusting. And I'm with you. I can't, I watched it in passing. And what that means is like, I'm on the computer, but I have it up. So I didn't catch every single thing she did, but just knowing how there is basically an organized system for him to molest and rape underage girls is just disgusting and the fact that there are multiple people maybe tens could be hundreds of people that were involved in this network makes my skin crawl like when I got to the episode where the girl was on the island yeah I just felt so bad for her like she just felt so hopeless she was just ready to like jump off the cliff and swim for the nearest shore because she was just so miserable in the condition and the environment that she was in. And it's very hard for me to put myself in those shoes because it's something that you don't want to think exists, but it does. And to think that a woman would be involved in something so heinous like this, it just baffles your mind that Ghislaine would be a part of it and even some of the victims were saying that Ghislaine was a part of the molestation herself. So I think it always like kind of shocks me when you see a woman who is a sexual predator. To other girls at that, like that is just, oh, it's just so disgusting. And I really hope that we see some justice. I'm not talking about, oh, she goes to jail. She's in jail now, but I want to see her tried in sent to life in prison and her their victims get to testify against her i would need to see some kind of action i don't want her to get the suicide plan that jeffrey got we need to see some justice happen i i don't think she's honestly going to be murdered or going to commit suicide i don't think she's strong enough to commit suicide 
And I just don't think that anyone is going to be able to put a hit out on her like they did with Jeffrey. I think that, and this is just speculation, I think that it might be harder to commit such a crazy conspiracy crime in a women's prison versus a a men's prison. I believe that she knows where the bodies are, meaning like there are powerful people that she could take down. So I believe that they will do anything to make sure that they can keep their careers going. I'm putting my tin hat on you guys. I feel like they are already starting to set it up in the media. Like now she has COVID and now she's getting switched to a different cell. I mean, I think they are setting it up for the okie doke. Again, conspiracy hat on. So we'll see. We will definitely see. I'll be curious to see what happens with her. I'm definitely on board with you. I I feel the same way. I feel like there's already a plan put in place of people, maybe not a plan that you know, people high up are doing, but somebody saying to somebody else who is their henchman, like, hey, she can't talk, you know, like, you know how they give the the okay without actually giving the okay, where they're just like, hey, just make sure that she doesn't sing like a canary, you know? I agree with you 100%. So like, let's say, I don't know, Billy Bob Joe doesn't want her to talk. They're going to tell somebody that tells somebody that tells somebody so it doesn't get their hands dirty. I definitely agree. And I think Jeffrey Epstein was a warning call to Ghislaine. Like, don't don't say anything or this will happen to you too. Oh, absolutely. He was definitely a warning call. I mean, the cards were in line for, oh my goodness, you're going to make me go on a conspiracy. Like I said, our eyes are open. So we will see what happens with her because it'll be too coincidental if they both, you know, end up dead. Mm-mm, mm-mm, not falling for it this time. So I do also want to see justice done and I want to see her name dragged through the mud and I want to see her reputation completely destroyed for all of the crazy, disgusting stuff that she did. Um, So this is kind of a difficult question to ask, but what would you think would be justice in terms of a conviction? Life in prison in solitary confinement. And doesn't, isn't she loaded? So she should have to pay them her victim's money too. Oh, definitely. She should be completely drained. (laughs) I'm all for that, especially with the amount of victims. There's definitely an easy way to drain her assets. But again, like the people that work with her are probably going to do everything in their power to move that money around so that it's not possible. Yeah. If, if, if they haven't already done so, I mean, Jeffrey died, what a couple, not a couple years ago, like what a year ago. Yeah, I think it was last year was a big conspiracy of him killing himself because you couldn't get away from it on social media. Everything was, you know, Jeffrey didn't kill himself. So, I mean, from there, from the time Jeffrey got um, arrested till now, I'm pretty sure all those involved have probably hid the money or tried to cover their trail and completely consolidated all of their assets into like an offshore bank account. Exactly. Uh, come up with some type of alibi or whatever to, I don't know. It's, ooh, it, it, it creeps me out to even think about it for real, for real. Yeah. Because honestly, like this is just the tip of the iceberg and you don't know how many other like you don't know where this spreads like how big is this web where does it cover is it globally i would imagine so if the people that she's talking about the people that were in the documentary of such a high profile it's got to be global 
Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. If anything were good to happen out of 2020, it's that this like trafficking ring gets exposed. I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't know about I don't know if you can give somebody life with solitary confinement, <laughs> but I'm totally cool with life without the possibility of parole and making sure that she doesn't do like a like a um what's that guy's name? Oh, El Chapo, where she's got like oh, this yeah. bougie prison cell and you know, like just kind of live in life a little bit easier than everyone else in the prison. No, I want her in public population. <laughs> She can't do solitary confinement, but she can do 23 hours in the cell. They do that. They do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so she can have that special. She can be eating slop. Yeah. Or whatever they eat. I mean, no sympathy there for me. That, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll figure out how this all goes down. I know that people in the tri- um, people in the true crime community are kind of on the edge of their seat waiting to see what happens because a lot of cases are moving so slow right now with the whole COVID thing that it's, it's like, are we going to just wait this out until next year or how quickly is this going to go? Is the media going to be allowed into the courtroom? You know, that this could be a perfect opportunity for them to do this trial in a way that the people that want to cover it up can because they can say, oh, no media in the courtroom because of COVID. You know what I mean? And then it just kind of like gets privately. Or sealed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's a, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. So we'll have to see how they use it. But that's something to keep in mind. Like when things start to play out, you have to wonder, okay, why did the lawyers decide to do it that way? Very interesting. Good points. Good points. Now my conspiracy, my tin hat is even higher up. <laughs> it's just got a little bit higher mm-hmm. just got a little bit more tinny if you know what I mean well I'm glad that you like to dive into those types of conspiracies because I think a lot of people share your uh sentiment for that yeah I like conspiracies some of them are too dark for me but I I enjoy like the ones that are obviously happening in plain sight versus the I don't know you know what I mean though I don't really feel like, yeah, conspiracy is technically a cover-up, but I don't really feel like this is the same type of conspiracy that I hear from other people about, like, COVID being a hoax or, you know, things like that where there's really no logical basis for it. To me, those those are dark because you're just clearly ignoring the truth. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, like, you're living in a cave. Yeah, yeah you're choosing <laughs> to be, like difficult and different and I don't like those so yeah yeah well I hope everyone's doing well during this pandemic I know that I've been going slightly insane with staying inside all day every day but I hope that everyone can find a little bit of comfort in knowing that you are not alone and thank you so much for joining me for another episode and thank you so much Candice for joining me as well and talking about Tajmir and talking about some crazy stuff in the media lately. No problem. You can follow me on Twitter at CrimeXNoir and I am on Instagram at CrimeNoir the podcast. If you want to email me or DM me, well, I would say just email me at Candace at CrimeNoir the podcast. Mm-hmm.